Holy Resurrection Sunday. Come on. <laughs> I hope you guys came ready to burn some calories and exercise because I am going to have us doing some spiritual calisthenics. You guys ready for this? All right, buckle up, buttercup. So, hey, I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone who's joined us on our online campus. This is super important um, because I know there's people who are near to us that can't get here. I know there's people that are far from us that I know their hearts are near. And so across multiple states and even other countries, we have people joining us. I just want to say welcome. I believe that what God wants to do this morning, what he's going to speak is going to work just as well if you're on an online campus or you're here. I will tell you, the closer to an experience you are, uh, probably the deeper it is, but I personally believe God wants to deliver something here today as we talk about the power of what Jesus did. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 27, if you could turn there, Matthew 27. Specifically, we're going to be in verse 62. Matthew 27, verse 62. And today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus has risen. He's no longer laying down, right? No laying down on the job. So I felt like it would be fitting, whether you're in your home or wherever you're at or here in the building, I thought we should rise and stand as we read this. Because Jesus is risen. So I just thought we should honor the word of God by standing together. In Matthew 27, Verse 62, it says, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate. Now what had happened was Jesus had been crucified. And a very wealthy man came to Pilate and said, hey, I, I, I want to take the body of Jesus, which wasn't culturally what would happen normally. He said, I want to take the body of Jesus and I, I want to place him in a tomb that actually this wealthy man had prepared for himself. It, you know, it, it would be the equivalent of somebody who was wealthy preparing their retirement home and taking and, and placing Jesus in this retirement place. I mean, they had put a ton of resource into this tomb. He says, I want to take and place Jesus there. And, and, and in that moment, for us to understand that what happened was is that some loved ones around Jesus prepared his body. So when it says here, the next day on the Sabbath, that this was actually after the preparation, that his body was cleaned and wrapped. That what I want to present to you today is that I believe what God has for us is an encouraging word that he's, he's prepared us and he's preparing us, that he's cleansed us, but he also is calling us to walk in promise. And we're joining Jesus in this. The power of the resurrection wasn't just that Jesus is risen, it's that we are now placed with him in that resurrection. And so it says, they told him, sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, 
I will rise from the dead. This is what Jesus has the audacity to say. After three days of being dead, dead. You know, three days, you start, your body starts to like have some problems if you're dead. But Jesus was dead, dead. And he's like, hey, after I'm dead, dead for three days, I'm going to come back to life, life. So these religious leaders say, so we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone that he was raised from the dead. And if that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. I'm suggesting to you that these religious rulers were thinking, if just the mere thought that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. If just the thought hits the streets that Jesus is actually risen from the dead, if just the thought, as audacious as it sounds, comes to fruition, we're done because it changes everything. So Pilate replies and says, take the guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Jesus Christ, with a ton of audacity, makes this statement. That after I've been dead, dead for three days, I will rise and I will come back to life, life. That Jesus would dare to believe that the Father wouldn't leave him laying there in limbo. Today we're going to talk about, as we begin a new series called Daring, that today we're going to join Jesus as we dare to believe. Can you turn to somebody as you're sitting down here this morning and say, will you dare to believe Now, I want to define this word daring because as I define this, some of you might think that daring means dumb. Like, I'm not, so what I'm presenting to you today isn't that we're dumb. Like, don't be dumb. Don't, I'm daring. I'm going to go play Foursquare on the freeway. Okay? So don't, like, I have to give that disclaimer, man. There's somebody to be like, Pastor Pat told me to be daring. <laughs> I'm going to get a call from the police department, man. Like, what are you preaching to people, man? So let me clarify. Daring is not dumb, but it is intentional. Listen to this. Th th this is the description. Daring is adventurous. What, what I believe is that every one of us was created to live an adventurous life because the opposite of a daring life is a dull life. And I don't believe you were created and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come back to overcome what we couldn't overcome so that you and I could live a mundane, dull, dreary life. I believe in the fullness of the life that God gave you. And I also believe that in humanity that we're mostly living a life. But there are parts of us that I think are still in the tomb. 
that we don't really believe, we don't dare to believe that God can resurrect to give us full life. You see, this, this word daring is audaciously bold. Check this description out. It's bold, especially with confident disregard to personal comfort. This is where the disclaimer of don't be dumb comes in. <laughs> it, it is especially, it's being bold, especially when it comes to your personal regard for comfort. That it costs Jesus his comfort to dare to believe that the Father would do that. Like he had to go to the cross. That was uncomfortable. It's to be lively or being full of life. See, Jesus made a lot of daring claims. He said a lot of daring things. And he did a lot of daring things in his life. Audaciously bold. <laughs> but I feel like this one takes the crown when he says, after three days... You're going to try and cancel me. This cancel culture isn't new. It's been around since the beginning of creation. Really at the core, is, I, I, I think it's the enemy's way of trying to come against humanity and rob us of the voice that we were created to have. And so Jesus, he's willing to, to dare to live this audaciously bold life where he dared to believe that God as a father would raise him from the tomb and into triumph. Jesus' belief was defined not by a statement, but by his sacrifice and his surrender. Jesus dared to believe God. And proof was that he was willing to join God. See, a lot of times we're asking God to join us. God, would you join me? on this hell trip that I'm on called life? Would you join me in this train wreck of a situation I'm about to put myself in? Because, and then we start quoting scriptures. God, you're redeeming God. He's like, bro. This is how my God speaks to me, okay? Use whatever voice you want. I'm like, he's like, bro, don't be dumb. Be daring. <laughs> if you dare to believe in God, you're going to dare to join him. And Jesus was joining him in what he was doing. See, Jesus could have come along and said, like, you know, hey, because, again, my, my voice is in my head. Jesus was like, Dad, I think why we're doing something, this whole saving humanity thing, this bit is good. Like, we should do this. But can we talk about the how? I have my own idea of how we should do this. What I'm telling you is that if you understand your why deep enough, you're willing to endure anyhow. Your actions then will always bear witness to what you believe. Always. And I'm suggesting to you that no matter where you're at in your relationship, understanding, or belief in God, that living a daring life of believing is not solely given 
to people that believe in God. I believe everyone is daring to believe. I think not believing in God is daring. Because what if it's wrong? Either way, either way, humanity is placing its actions in a daring, audaciously bold with total disregard for personal comfort because it's going to get really uncomfortable if I denounce God and I'm wrong. Where do you want to pay the price? I believe everyone dares to believe in something. In Psalm 52, 7, the psalmist says, look what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. That word trust is the same word as believe. Look what happens to mighty warriors who do not believe in God. They trust or believe their wealth instead, and they grow more and more bold in their wickedness. Are you daring enough to believe the Father's promise of raising everything he has purposed you for from death to life in Jesus Christ? It says in Romans 6, 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, what? New lives. This is phenomenal. If you dare to believe. Daring to believe joins you with Jesus. It joins with what Jesus is doing and has done. And being raised from the tomb and into triumph. But I want to tell you something. Daring to believe has some discomforts. I really believe that this message is born out of not critical thinking and reading of this book that is the best-selling book in all of history called the Bible. I surely studied it, but I also believe that God has been speaking to myself and my wife and the people around us and speaking to our church family and speaking to our staff and speaking to ministry leaders. Every person I talk to, I feel like has a sense of what I'm saying here today. And in fact, what I'm about to say to you, I believe is the Father's heart for you. And it's to shift our perspective a little bit on how we look at things. And Follow me. Matthew 27, 65 says, we just read this. Pilate replied to these religious leaders and he says, take the guards and, and secure it the best you can. It's, I'm not putting words in Pilate's mouth, but it's as if Pilate, who we already know was somewhat reluctant to even want to put Jesus to death. It's almost as if he's obliging these religious leaders and he's like, take guards and secure it the best you can. Like, good luck. <laughs> you know? So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Hey, okay, so here's, here's what I feel like the Lord has just been speaking to me about. The enemy knows your potential, so he wants to post guards to protect the lie that he has been perpetrating against you. Jesus surely 
was crucified and died on the cross and he surely was resurrected. But do we ever stop and think about the two days in the tomb before the third day triumph? Do we ever stop and think about the discomfort that his followers had to feel? Maybe the discomfort that Jesus himself where he's like, dad, I'm really dead, dead now. Flip the light switch. Anytime now. I'm starting to see the light. (laughs) The enemy will always do his best to protect this lie that he has perpetrated against you and I. But his best will never be good enough. This is important. The enemy's best will never be good enough. Do you know how I know that? And I know the enemy knows that because this silly sucker called the devil, he's miserable. And misery likes what? Oh, it sure does. And so the devil's like, I'm miserable because I know that I'm not good enough. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shade humanity with this feeling that you're never going to be good enough. That your tomb time is permanence. That the tomb represents for so many of us the permanence as a burial place, but in reality, it actually represents the birthplace of a promise. Now, my wife and I, not personally, but together in cohabitation, have had a lot of kids. I have seven beautiful, wonderful, amazing daughters who came from my beautiful and wonderful, amazing wife. And I'm going to tell you something. My kids were created. As a dad, my heart for them is that they would be created and live life to the full. And that's the promise that I want for their life. God has the same promise for you. In fact, in John 10, 10, this is what Jesus says. He says, the thief, who's the thief? The devil. Can you just say, not today, devil? Uh-uh. Like, if you have to, you, like, snap him down, do whatever you have to do. Roll your neck. I don't, I, whatever. But get an attitude with the devil. Say, not today, devil. Let me hear you. Okay. I think we're on the same page. John 10.10 says, the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's what I want you to know. We got to know this. When you feel like you're being robbed, the parts of you are being murdered and killed emotionally or spiritually, and you feel like destruction is at your doorstep, can we please stop asking God why he's killing us? Because this scripture is very clear. We're just setting some theology here, what we believe about God. God is a good God. Who comes to kill, steal, and destroy? The devil. So when we see these things, That's not our dad's work. That's the devil's work. We got to know this. Because we can't dare to believe if we walk around believing that the father would actually be the instigator of these things. The devil who is miserable, who believes he's not enough, this is how he wields power. This is how he feels good about himself. You know? But Jesus says... 
I have come that they may have life and have it to what? The full. Lively, being a full life. Daring. Jesus Christ died so that you could live a daring life. Not a dull one, a daring one. Can you imagine for one second what life would look like if we all walked out of here fully charged, audaciously bold, especially when it came to personal comfort and we just live life to the, I mean, come on. I think the church would look like how it was supposed to look. The tomb, I'm gonna describe the tomb then. We have to understand this perspective of the tomb. The tomb was being used. I'm going to speak figuratively, so just hold tight. I'm going to wrap it up. You're going to, you're going to go like, okay, that makes sense. The tomb was being used as the gestational period, the place that Jesus was laid. The tomb is used in your life for the gestational period. Gestational period is the time in which the thing inside of you is being matured, nurtured, and ready to be birthed. So the tomb was used during this gestational period of God's promise being matured in you for birthing. So the tomb is what the enemy wants to call it and God actually looks at it as a womb. Because I will tell you something, every one of my children caused some discomfort for my wife. But I would consider every one of my children a promise. And I would also say to you that during that gestational period of of humans is about nine months, somewhere in there, give or take, that what's happening is, is that this promise that I've come to love seven times was being nurtured, matured, and ready to be birthed. And so you can choose, with this perspective, you can choose one or the other. You can choose to look at the tomb as a burial place full of resentment or a birthplace full of resurrection power. Oftentimes, we want, we, we, want to be, we want to be able to live the good, the influencer life. We, we, want, we want to be able to live like all, all of like social media. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on social media. This, this is a byproduct of where humanity is broken, family. We want to perpetuate this idea that we're living the death to life story without tomb time. We don't see the process in people's lives. We don't see where God is preparing you. He's preparing you. There is a process, but he's birthing something. If we dare to believe, if we dare for one second to think, what if this is true and I grab a hold of and I join Jesus in this death to life story? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today, but I wanna tell you, we equally celebrate the resurrection of humanity as we're seated with Jesus Christ now, and we join him if we dare to believe. And daring to believe is gonna be all in. Jesus dared to believe, but he was all in. Check this. I'm gonna finish with the scripture. It says, Philippians 2. This is a guy named Paul. 
He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Why is he addressing our attitude? Because attitude is, I heard like one person say it. Attitude is everything. Double dose today, thank you. Attitude is everything. I tell my kids, attitude's everything. Do you know what's really interesting about me telling my kids attitude's everything, full transparency? Do you know what I struggle with the most? My attitude. You will often see the deficiencies in others that you actually struggle with the most. You're like, I can't stand, like, chew with your mouth shut. My family's like, bro. Right? So I'm like, attitudes, this is why Paul is addressing our attitude. Why? Because there are attitudes in our heart that are keeping us from the promises that God wants to birth in us. God's not stopping those promises. The attitudes in my heart are stopping those promises. So what's he doing? He's giving us Jesus to look at and saying, look at the attitude of Jesus' heart. So I want you to adjust your attitude to the same attitude that Christ had in his heart. That's what he's saying right here, okay? Because attitude is what? Uh Uh-huh. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Or in other translations, it says this. Or he gave up everything. Or it says he poured himself out. The most rewarding, the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life are the things that I've completely poured my life out into. I'm gonna t- 100% going to tell you that. Because that's a law of life. You will only be able to harvest what you have sown. So if you're like, I want the fullness out of life, you can't give 10% into that investment fund and try to withdraw 100. You can't do it. This idea that I can give $10 and I can reap a million. This idea that I can, I can. I was going to say some things, but I'm going to join Jesus right now. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. That's at like everyone, everyone that was, everyone that is, and everyone that ever will be, no matter where you're at, you can't hide. Like, knock, knock, I want you to know, hello, God is knocking and you can't hide if you dare to believe, because you're believing something. It says, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus dared to live 100% all in with confident, complete disregard for personal comfort, being full of life. Jesus said, you can have everything. I believe what God is asking us today is if we're willing to give our everything, if we're willing to dare to believe. He believed, he gave everything for us. He dared to believe in human. Can I tell you something? God dared to believe in you. He was audaciously bold about going after you and me. He dared to believe in you. Are you willing to dare to believe today? Jesus crucified every attitude of his heart. Today, are we willing to crucify the attitudes of our hearts? And I want to give you a promise. From our little church here in San Marcos, because I believe... God wants us to live to our fullest, to be lively and audaciously bold. 
So here's my promise to you that we're gonna lead with daring belief here. But I want you to know it will cause discomfort because I believe God wants to birth something in you and in this family and through this family that we're gonna go all in and we're gonna dare to believe and join Jesus in what he's doing. Will you join me? Will you join this family as we dare to believe and embrace the discomfort of going all in? Now I have an exercise and an activation. Why don't you stand with me today? I'm gonna wrap up. I like to make things real practical because I can talk very theoretical, but if we don't make it like if we don't make it something we can grab a hold of and walk away. Now this is your choice. You can choose to grab a hold of this or not. Okay? But I'm gonna give this to you. I want you to sit with God this week. By the way, if if you're like, I wish, I wish Pastor Pat wrote this down somewhere. Download our app. I'm serious. Go to Sunday services and click sermon notes. And all the scriptures I just talked about are in there. And these questions are there. I want you to spend some time with God. Now here, I want us to all close our eyes. On our online campus, if you're at home or wherever, close your eyes. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. With your eyes closed, this is, this is what I, I want you to go through this process this week. I want you to simply sit with God. And I want you to say, God, show me the attitude or the attitudes of my heart. Because I will tell you that I have attitudes. I have plurality of attitudes of my heart. God is always dealing with. So God, show me the attitude or the attitudes of my heart, keeping me from your promise of living a life to the full. Now here's a hint. This will help you a little bit. Your attitude is going to be revealed by your actions. And then here's what I want to do. I want to activate this. You can do anything how many times? You can, do, you can do anything how many times? You can do anything one time. So I want you to commit to laying down one attitude of your heart this week. Let's just begin to get these out of the way. God wants to take us from tomb time, two days in the tomb, to a third day triumph, if we dare to believe. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, that same name that we just said every knee is going to bow to, every tribe, tongue, and nation, we come to you with the authority of that name and the power of that name. And we say that we as a family are going to dare to believe. For those of you who want to join in, I will tell you, that this will be the most adventurous, audaciously bold life of fullness you will ever live. Hands down, you were not made and purposed for dullness. And so Father, I want uh, you to encourage in us a boldness to dare to believe. Before we walk out of here this morning, 
I lastly want to say this, and this is the most important thing of the entire morning in my opinion. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what good is what I'm doing if we don't make this invitation? Because the fullness that Jesus gave you to live starts with joining him. And if you have never joined him in a relationship this morning, are you gonna dare to believe? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I wanna encourage you to not leave. This is important. Daring to believe is gonna get a little uncomfortable sometimes. So this is gonna be uncomfortable what I say, but this is important. It is not good enough for us that you raise your hand and you walk out of here with complete anonymity. Because I believe that you've been called into a family where we can support and we can walk alongside you. That we can, we can spend some tomb time with you. Preparing and helping you to walk into the promises that God has for you. So if this is you this morning and you're in the building, this applies to you. I do not want you to leave here without making yourself known. I would ask that you come forward, you connect with one of our ministry team members. And you say, I'm making a decision today to join Jesus. I'm gonna dare to believe. For some of you, you may have a relationship with Jesus, but you realize today that you, you don't wanna live a dull life short of the fullness that God's given you. And that applies to you as well. Do not leave here without the discomfort of coming forward and saying, I'm gonna make a decision to join Jesus and dare to believe. If you're on our online campus, I would like you to just simply say right now, I'm daring to believe and to join Jesus. We have a stream team that's working right now, has been praying for you, who can take you offline, and can, and can talk to you and pray with you and spend some time with you. It is our goal, we, we feel like it's our mandate that we walk with you. We're not here to see orphans birthed. I speak against this idea of, of orphanhood when it comes to the family of Jesus Christ. We're family. It's uncomfortable, it gets messy, it's ugly sometimes, but it's fulfilling. We just have to dare to believe. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.